0: Mr. Sandman, bring me a
1: dream Make him the cutest that I've ever seen Give him two lips like roses and clover And tell him that
0: his lonesome nights are over Sandman, I'm so alone Nobody took call my own. Please turn on your magic beam. Mr. Sandman, bring me a dream.
1: Good evening, everybody. Welcome to this week's episode of Nox Mente. Tonight's guest is Brandon Young. From uh, his Twitter bio, he's a philosopher, legal scholar podcaster reader writer musician comic and pop culture historian joyce and tolkien enthusiast psychologist surfer any order you choose brandon welcome to the show well wait 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 there now you can say thank you thank you for having me on (laughs) appreciate it yay no problems tonight Thank
2: Excellent. you for coming on, Brandon. Yeah, this is, I mean, I'm looking forward to this.
0: Yeah, I'm really happy to be on, you know, and uh, be in such a lustrous company. So I think uh, the show's picking up. I think people are really uh, liking this show a lot, you know. So good for you guys.
1: Yeah, it's, this is very nice. It's
0: more
2: injecting more dream, dream awakenings into the collective. Adding yeah, I think, to
0: people, it. Right, I think people, yeah, it's, it's kind of like adding to the waking dream that we all are in right mm-hmm. you know because really? life is upon is, is but a dream
2: oh here we go oh. with the songs again <laughs> <laughs> but, uh,
0: yeah that's you a wrote.
1: huge
0: part of it's the whole huge part of uh you know i put in the bio james joyce token enthusiast and that's raised in all the great art and literature throughout the world which is um you know, what is the what are dreams? It's you know, is dream part of reality? Is right reality part of the dream? Are you in a dream right now? Are you in Vishnu's dream? You know, so it's a huge, huge uh part of who we are, the human condition. So it's 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 just a fascinating topic I love to explore.
1: Or are we the dream of the demiurge?
0: Yeah, right. That's well, that's that would be kind of like the Vishnu's dream thing and then the Matrix architect kind of argument, right? True, true. Yeah, but and then the question is like, well, who is the dreamer, you know? And that's funny because that was last week's Twin Peaks at title episode, which is, you know,
2: who is the dreamer
0: or something like that. It was uh, very cool. And David Lynch, I find to be one of the bar sort of um nighttime twilight dream state uh capture artist out there working in film at least uh, you know because he combines sort of a dolly-esque surrealism and you know because time is different as well and dream and all those things he actually captures what it's like i think pretty good
2: yeah lynch really does get right in there with the language of it presenting mm-hmm. it and also how he he Puts forth the symbolic aspect, which really is the language of dreams.
0: Yeah, yeah. The language of dreams seems to me to be uh, archetype a lot of the time. Um, You know, and I'll talk, I mean, I'll talk about about how I grew up and and how my dreams have progressed and evolved. But um, when I was a kid, it was, um, it it certainly felt very um, provincial. That is like, uh, you know, related just to my neighborhood, me and my own. When I look back back on all that, I mean, really, that was pretty, I was tapping into something a lot larger that would come to understand much later on, you know. And I still don't understand, I don't think anyone understands the nature of dreams, you know, even all the cognitive uh, behavioral scientists that I studied with at MIT, or just like, well, it's, we don't really know. (laughs) They're like, well, it's, it's kind of like a screensaver. It's like, okay, what does that mean? You know, it's like, the field,
2: uh, the field is open to everyone just like dreaming is every time we go to sleep. That's what I find so judicious about it.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely democratic. And, um, you know, obviously it's just, um, there are some people that think they can explain consciousness, you know, and, uh, and, and to sixth extent, it's interesting, but, um, you know, there there's parts of consciousness that they just, you know, you can't get at, because basically you have a consciousness studying a consciousness, and that, you know, is a paradox, so um, it's kind of hard to get around that. But, um, you know, Sigmund Freud obviously brought it into the Victorian era, and um, that really revolutionized whole way of thinking combined with Einstein's relativity, you know, relativity theory, you had the emergence of what would be a culture that would basically not just live in a dream, but the dream would be a nightmare. It was a nightmare. Mm-hmm. The dream became a nightmare. It wasn't a dream. It was, this was a nightmare that we were all dreaming. And there's a really cool, um, the like Demiurge dream or whatever, uh, Forget Matrix. I mean, even though that's a great one, um Dark City is a really good one,
1: oh, too. Yes.
0: Before the Matrix came out, remember that? <laughs> yeah. And oh, that's, that is a dream world, you know. And remember those beans go around, they say sleep, and you know, everybody's sleeping there in the city. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it was creepy when that came out, man. But um,
2: Carl yeah. Jung really pushed.
0: Okay. And it's the director. That's his name. I didn't know his name. Oh, okay. Yep. Yeah. I, I did like the crow as well, but yeah, dark city. I just, Oh man. I remember seeing the preview to that and just being freaked out about it, you know, but, uh, yeah i own that and it's just um it's amazing because that you know it's a real it's a whole allegory of the hero you know the hero's journey and, and lots of things are but that one especially and then he but it goes a little bit further is the question of okay when you become the hero you manifest and you become a god where you can create reality and as you please right isn't that become? Doesn't that become its own prison in a way? You know what I mean? Because remember the ego—he has to create and he's become a god, and, mm-hmm. but he's still trapped in a way. You know what I mean? It's, right. it's really—it's fascinating.
1: Questions. Uh, uh, the other one—the the Spawn series from mm-hmm. um, it's Todd, McFarlane. Image. Yeah, Todd McFarlane. Yeah, Todd McFarlane. That was kind of a similar thing, but he was fighting fighting against that dark side that he was now part of.
0: Right. Yes, that's right. Yeah, I recall the story correct, and I do have. I was I love Spawn <laughs> for some reason. I yeah, me too. Why. Me too. Some people don't like them, but um, I have issues one through thirty, and this like my my prized possessions. You know, my comic book <laughs> some my comic book collection. So I I went back and started reading. You know, what drew me to them and stuff, and and there's a lot of heavy uh, occult stuff in there, but. Besides that, yeah, man, he was the the origin. I think he was like a military or some kind of soldier that was, you know, double crossed and basically killed or, or what they call it, flagging a fra- uh, fragging, frag. He was fragged by his, uh, yeah, he was killed by his fellow soldiers. Basically, he was killed so by his the, boss.
1: Um, he was a private um, security guy. Martin oh, Sh- okay. Martin Sheen killed him. Or the that no, was the woman.
0: Well, there's the movie and there's a comic book. So oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, different. yeah,
1: yeah. I never read the so, comics, I should say. Okay,
0: so I think it's it's at least somewhat similar, but so anyway, um, yeah, he becomes like the devil himself, and it's really beautifully drawn and everything like that. It's just, hmm. I think Tom McFarlane's awesome, and uh, yeah, you can become one of these demons. You're in service to me, you know. And mm-hmm. uh, he escapes and just becomes kind of like you know a vigilante and trying to put things right but he, he's always encountering other demons I, really, I speaking of my childhood love spawn when I was a kid you know absolutely dug him so cool. tell us I about concern.
2: a little bit about your childhood like the demographic mm-hmm. the, right. the the landscape of your childhood
0: where do you want to start like very
2: beginning well yeah I guess you know give us I'm trying to pin in your actual um, forming symbols so where you in really a city, hard.
0: Yeah. Okay. Well, see, I moved around a lot when I was a kid. I moved around. So moved-
2: that that in and of itself is significant.
0: Okay. So so for example, born in London, England, of all places, and then parents came back to uh, uh, New England, Massachusetts, and um, Boston area, kind of, and then parents separate. Moved to Florida, moved to South Carolina, and then by the age of three, go back to Boston. Uh, live between my mom and dad. I mean, I'm talking like lost. And this is between maybe four, five, six places before I was. You know what I mean? Wow. So it was, a, it was a lot of moving around. I got exposed to a lot of stuff. Let's just put it that way. And um, but by the time I settled down, I mean, I always had since my parents split when i was three or three four years old i would see you know them on and off it was like you know split time between them and my it was two different sides you know my mother's side was very uh you know middle class kind of working class ethic but my dad had that too but um he was in Boston and every time I went up and see him he would have like tickets for the game or he would be like, you know, Brandon, you're going to be ball boying for the Celtics tonight. I'm like, you know, <laughs> or like really cool things, you know, he'd go around and I'd be meeting mayors and presidents and ambassadors, we, you know, like remember one time we went to, um, cause my dad almost ran for Lieutenant governor of Massachusetts at one point, right. For the Republican party. And um, so he would take me all these punk, these, you know, functions with the Democrats and Republicans. And that's when I knew there was no difference between them all. Yes. And so he would bring me so it'd be totally different. You know, I was dealing with elite high class society on the one hand, you know, the rulers of society. And then when I go back home, my mother side, it would be more like, uh, um, you know, it would kind of, um, I don't know, you call it more real but more like uh, in touch with reality and the masses. You know what I mean? So, um, but what was interesting is that I did have school uh, where my mother lived, which wasn't far from my father. So um, junction with my father knowing everybody and being at the Ritz-Carlton and being an ambassador there and introducing and knowing everybody that walked through there and everybody knowing him, We'd go to hockey games with Mimi Rogers and Goldie Hahn who he dated, and I, and it, looking back on it, it's funny because Mimi Rogers was trying to get my dad into Scientology, and this is oh my. <laughs> yeah was and, that and, when you know, she was I married to Tom Cruise? I was gonna say yeah, and uh, I remember going and I remember her. I loved she loved me. She I mean, we loved each other. She was me, her, and my dad at a hockey game, and, I, and someone took a photograph and. um, I guess it was in the news about you know my dad going on a date with her while she was with Tom Cruise, so it might have contributed Ooh, to their the divorce.
2: Scandal.
1: Did he? Yeah, uh, yeah Did but, he share afterwards? Yeah. She, she was. She was the first. Like, you <laughs> missed. Jerry, keep that fine. for the hive. <laughs> <Yeah>. Jesus. <laughs> you no,
0: know, she was absolutely beautiful. She was like a mother to me, but just like cool, you know. And um, but it, it, when I came back to my to school which was very important to me um upon starting kindergarten and remember i went to one, two, three, four f- schools middle schools by the time i was in fifth grade i went to five different schools as well okay so and but wherever i moved around as soon as i started i don't know why but they chose me to be in what they call the gt program GT program stood for gifted and talented program. Now everybody's coming out and, and knowing and remembering like, oh yeah, GT program, oh, you were in that thing too. okay, yeah, because it wasn't that big of a deal. was a separate group um, and it was a whole thing. I, you know I followed the paper trail it was kind of like a Jesuit instituted um, mm-hmm. pedagogical learning system mm-hmm. where by teachers would pick up leaders in the classroom and they would separate them and and test their talents on a psychic level and and all kinds of levels. So I remember being under tests when I was a kid, right. And then like the kindergarten and had a very, they noticed that it had a strong connection to a girl. Then this girl, Lauren, who, um, you know, we could almost like read, send each other messages at that age and stuff like that. And so, you know, they put us under tests and, you know, like almost like twins and stuff. And, um, and, and wherever we went, I split up to go to school. She would go to school with me. So it was very weird. Um, oh, and then I was all. Yeah. And no matter what school I went to, I was always in this program separate. And we were, the only thing. Well, one of the things that was cool was. Because there were a lot of cons, you know, I was with a lot of nerdy kids that just, you know, could play an instrument and that's it. You know what I mean? And I played sports and I loved my friends and hanging out and and. And I had to be separate from them in a way, so I didn't like it, you know. Even though I was kind of the leader there, because I was the only one into sports and stuff, and uh, but they would let us go to MIT and Harvard once a week on any class you wanted, you know. And uh, and I chose, evidently or prophetically or whatever, Noam Chomsky's class to sit in. To sit in on.
2: Oh, you know? excellent!
0: And he let me, you know. He would like He would encourage me and. And, you know he loved it and the students loved it that there was this you know
2: did he day. did he let lauren sit in as well no. No,
0: no, no no that was a whole different thing she would be lauren would be back at school and they would put me in a room and they would go over all these tests like okay gerara uh, shape and then with all these different crayons you know games and puzzles right and, yeah and like and, and so guess what kind of this and, and then um, I would talk to her later, Lauren, and she would say, "You know, I was like, where were you for you know, you know, for recess?'" She's like, "Well, I was doing a test." Like, oh, me too, you know. And
2: she we, would compare know, notes. It
0: was, it was. Well, the thing is, they would have us do the exact same test, separate wings of, of the school. Yes. To see if we could draw the same shape and the shape, not what the test wasn't more about whether it was the correct or how smart or if you did it in 3d or you know what i mean it wasn't a, about that it was about that too but
1: they were They're measuring, kind of de- measuring the we're distance connected. between you know how farthest away the way you two could be before you have a connection maybe um i don't know
0: uh, i don't know the aims of it. i can just mm-hmm. tell you like what i did and stuff but maybe non-locality of consciousness and i don't know right um, are you
2: still are you still in contact with lauren
0: Oh, because what happened in a very Um, very dramatic fashion, um, right as I was about to quit the GT program, because I wanted to get back to my friends, and I wanted to get back to, um, you know, uh, playing basketball, because I looked at sports, you know, and um, you couldn't as a GT member, so um, you had to dedicate to, like, science projects and stuff like that, so um, what happened? ones I quit and it was tough and but I you know I was kind of rebellious so I quit and then one day she, she always sat behind me and one day just like you know these men in black kind of shouldn't be that was before I knew what a men in black was or anything like that these men in black suits and, and sunglasses and you know big guys secret service type people um, you know they left with them. And I remember her glancing behind as she left out the door. I remember her glancing back at me, and she had the saddest. And she and I just—it was She was saying to me, "Help! Help! Find me!" And I was terrified after that. Yeah, and I never. So I don't know where she is. What happened to her? um, And the light went out because if I was in contact for about a week after that, like I know she was still around, but kind of lost the light after that.
2: Were you um so during all of this rather rather actually jet set glamorous upbringing were you um brought into any kind of religious system?
0: That's the funny part. No. Uh well, a little bit like my um it was a big thing in South Carolina to go to um my dad, you know, to go to everyone went to church. And I think it was a Presbyterian church, if I'm not mistaken, okay? Or, or Pentecostal.
2: Oh, okay. charismatic.
0: Well, it was, it, I don't know. I was too so young, but um, I just remember one experience, and it was, um, you know, they had the church service, and you go up for Sunday school in the attic with a nice old grandmother teaching Bible stories, right? we all sat in a circle, and she was going around not really paying attention. And I'm like, okay, Brittany in short turn. i was like it's my turn for what you like and I are right three years four or five oh, years old or something like that this sounds and pentecostal yes so i was yeah it was so i think so i, like, I was horrified and i the upstairs to find my parents and i looked down at the congregation and everybody was in a trance and there were serpents out and and i got oh, wow. way more traumatized ran out of the <sighs> church and just stayed near the car until Went home, and I never won again. And oh. let's just say that put a really bad taste of <clears throat> religion in my throat. And so I was, I would call myself atheist, but uh, more agnostic, I guess. Because uh, And then went to Eastern religions when I started practicing martial arts at the age of... So, okay. Yeah, so I, I didn't, I was, but I totally was against Christianity for the first 30 years of my life. For like 30 years or so. So
2: that's now. interesting.
0: And now I've come to a totally, completely, you know, more mature understanding of it, I think. So I'm um, giving it, you know, a shot because I know that wasn't representative of, you know, all faiths and all different paths. So,
1: so you know, when in, I came. Sorry, yeah. No, in, in, um... no, no. no. In thinking back to your exposure to different things in your youth, can you recall any occult things, or what what would, what would be termed occult today? Yes. And what kind of things were those? There was okay. Well, I used to be babysat
0: um, by a woman and her husband, and there were a few kids there too. And they were part of this gifted group or whatever. And but we were very young, and uh, I would be babysat by her. Um, Her husband, I just remember the daughter took a really quick liking to me. Let's just put it that way. As a little kid. Mm-hmm. And she brought me upstairs. And so, and they were witches straight up. Like, they were practicing occultists. So, um, I remember. And going you knew this? At the time? Well, no, 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 no. I didn't know what an occultist was. Okay, so this was. has
2: come out later. Yeah.
0: Yeah, yeah. This is kind of like what I. Oh my God, that's what it was. And she had a. Teddy Ruxpin, I don't know if you remember what a Teddy Ruxpin was, but it was so basically a talking now, right? bear yeah. it was a bear with a tape and it like pretended to talk and it was like the coolest thing but the the weird thing is is that uh, we come to find out later that we need to put a camera in uh, for child pornographers and stuff like that, so anyway, she had one in her room and she would always try me to get to do stuff with her, but I didn't but they kind of one day, they would say, oh, come on in the bedroom for a minute. They had this giant snake. They had a giant, like, six-foot snake in their uh, stunk, you know. And um, one <laughs> they day, was, came, cage. In, came in the room, and it was just crawling on the dude, on the husband. He was just letting it crawl all over him. He was just like, yeah. And I was just so, like, creeped out. And they had and lit and you know so but you know that's the closest occult stuff and other than that on the other side um, my father's when you know it would be like okay meeting you know some people would say meeting power people that are into the occult that get their powers yes, from the occult right. that are re- reptilian or whatever you know I was meeting those people I was meeting George H.W. Bush and his sister and you know going to tiponia's wake and all these different politicians and power elites and stuff and famous celebrities and whatnot and um they they're a cult but on a different level as now i see it you know what i mean so i didn't think of it at the time as a cult but yeah so
2: this this babysitting experience so i'm, I'm driving this into the dream language but i want to get this clear that so the babysitting experience did this happen after your experience with the pentecostal church and the snakes there yes it
0: did okay
2: so we you know there's a connection there you'd already had been Mm. exposed to you know you already had made a judgment about Mm -hmm. snakes at this point this it's fascinating if you don't mind may i ask what sign you are gemini oh of Gemini Rising.
1: Gemini, yeah. Did you get an age from him?
2: No, but we got a general feel. I mean, if you want to tell us your age, that's fine. Brandon.
0: Yeah, I'm uh, 36.
2: So you're right in there. Um, I, I'm wondering, so again, this, this is something, have you ever, in exploring with our thesis here, about dreams being a gate to another dream, state of consciousness it at the very least had you ever explored psychedelics mm-hmm. and if that the, in the sense of looking for a deeper level of consciousness yeah. and it's certainly all right to not answer that
0: no I'm, I'm totally open and honest with that stuff and um um well let's just put it that i was very into natural ways of achieving great heightened states. And um,
1: we'll get to those questions in a bit.
0: <laughs> that, well, yeah, that got, yeah, yeah. So that only got me so far. Um, and I, th- and I did achieve some pretty cool states there. However, uh, and I was very much the last kid to try, it. you know, I was, i never smoked a cigarette in my life even, or even tried this or that, but I finally gave in um, and, you know, it's, it's, so yeah, I did. I'm just trying to think of the exact first time, um, but yeah, I have explored. Uh,
2: so, so with that, reasons. actually, I guess it doesn't, did, is there, so just kind of right here at this pause with that, was there in your recall, anything similar in your experiences yeah. with the dream experience is Good there question. something cohesive about it
0: totally and it was that's probably one of the most amazing experiences because somebody again there was that intelligence mm. again because i don't know about other people but whenever i am given anything like a like a mushroom or anything i sit and talk to god Oh. I'll sit in a quiet room by myself under a blanket, laughing and and talking to God, um, and seeing as He talks to me, or She, or whatever it is. I don't know if it's a God or a demon, but <laughs> so, um, but it's one or the other. <laughs> yeah.
2: So, you know, the
1: thing
0: <laughs> is, so I had a dream, and I was a lots of dreams when I was a kid where I would be uh, talked to by this higher voice explain to me it would actually show me the earth the spherical earth and it would show me um the like if i wanted to you know know what real how the great pyramids were built it would show me you know and it was oh you want to it would rewind history and, and everything just like google earth but way before it existed and um and, and as if you could see in real time any questions You had, you know, and anything. So this thing always was there in my dreams. And I found it. I found it in the psychedelic experience.
2: Um, Oh, okay. Yes. I think
0: everything, I have one friend, and he, um, when he takes psychedelic, he just kind of runs around, does cartwheels, and climbs trees and jumps into ponds, which I think is that's all fun and and all. But if you really want to connect, you can't. It's just there. Um, you just have to open yourself and then bam. Like, you you know, it's just, it was a surprise. You know, I found these phosphorescent colors of neon blue and purple and all, all these different spectrum of colors folded and it was a dancing little image. And then I focused on it and the more that I focused on it and on it became more of a fractal. Oh, wow. And then the fractals kind of Had an intelligence to it, and as it took me on a ride through a song, and then it all came together and formed an actual intelligent being that I was talking to that was rather serpentine. Mm -hmm. And um, yeah, right? So, but it it could shape shift into any thought that it wants. So, it wouldn't sure to have a voice. The voice was like, uh, if I asked it a question, it would show me, but very much in the way Terrence McKenna describes it. Or some people describe it of like uh, morphing into a piece of art to show you the image very fast, and then you know what I mean. And then you get yes. it, you know. Yeah. Yes. So, oh, it well, like, Terrence, so it was like meeting McKenna, that same,
2: wonderful.
0: yeah, meeting that same intelligence again. So I was like, I, and I remember the first time it, it manifested and into that state, I was like, "Oh, there you are!" It was a big sigh of relief, and I said, "Oh, there you are." And it taught me all these things, and 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 so the funniest thing was, you know, I'm off by myself, and luckily I had my friend Nick with me, who just made sure that because you know inevitably somebody runs down the hills like hey bro, <laughs> or if some guy's walking his dog and he's like oh, hey what are you kids doing, and they feel and and I, the negative you can just feel the negativity coming off these people, so he was there just to like as my guardian to just let me experience that. Which is really great. You need need somebody. So, oh, um, I
2: agree. Absolutely. Yeah.
0: Cause, but the funniest thing, it taught, taught me all these things, all these answers, life's problems, life's mysteries. And then I said, Well, now what do I do? And it said, "And Right. And I was like, and I laughed, 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 laughed. And, but I got it. Like, because the laugh, because if you do try to tell everybody, you're liable to get locked up or killed or, or something, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? Because the real truth is not what the world wants. We are living in a dream in a way. It is just basically a a physical uh to the subconscious of what we really are. And so it is kinda like a dream, you know, it is temporal and only arising momentarily it's not a fixed permanent thing
2: have you during these um, encounters with uh, opening the gate have you had any negative experiences that you would Uh, term negative that were unpleasant at least Right.
0: well yeah plenty Um, but uh, those were some like for example um, if there were anybody like one time okay in Topanga Canyon. No, um, oh, I love a, Topanga Canyon. <laughs> do you, have you ever been up there? Yeah.
2: Yeah, many times.
0: Well, okay. There's a place, 13 acres up in Topanga Canyon. Yes. It's called Tribal Oasis. And this is kind of like a guy, who, an eccentric billionaire, um, who bought 13 acres of sacred Indian burial ground or sacred Indian ground. Um, through it in mountains, it's just beautiful. And, he, and, mm-hmm. he, and so my friend knew him, and, and uh, we went up there and and for philosophy night. And anyway, so they're artists and whatnot. And they all live in trees, and it's basically Burning Man twenty four seven. Okay, and they try to li- live like that, and I think they still do. But they have a giant gate, and it's kind of a cult. Well, when I was there, everything seemed so happy at first, you know. But then you realize that there's a dark side there. You know, there's a real dark side. And I was sitting there and I felt myself turn into a serpent, like a coiled serpent. I felt as, because I could hear the entire village. I could hear people taking a piss. Um, they were really loud. Um, people having sex, dogs uh, sneezing, you know, or, or snoring. People, sn- I mean, you could hear, and, and the thing is, it's very disorienting because that place is on a, a mout- side of a mountain. Anyway. I immediately got some negative images coming up to me. And then, you know, of course, it takes you down, like, the road of, like, your the life that you um, do and stuff like that. And it will really be brutally honest with you. But I think that's a good thing to face those things. Like, I'm not afraid to face my inner self, you know, even the depths of my inner self, because I know I do the best I can. And that's why that really matters. You're going to end up slighting somebody or treating somebody, you know, how they're, they didn't the wrong way. or Maybe you just weren't seeing it that way at that time. But what psychedelics and meditation and dreaming shows you is exactly like, you know, you know, maybe a different perspective on that. And so I'm ready for that. Yeah. So, I mean, negative. Yeah. But um, not so negative, and I think you can learn from the negative. I think you can learn from the un, you know, stuff that you forget and stuff. So,
2: absolutely, I think it's yeah. actually part of the process. Mm-hmm. So, w- give us an idea of how you experience the dream time, colors, sounds, you know, all all the details.
0: Oh, oh, not just the time, because of, okay.
2: And time, all of it. How do you experience that landscape?
0: All right. Well, time can be fast, like one minute in the dream world. I mean, I've had it where I've literally blinked. eyes, woke, put them to open them back up again. No sleepies in my eyes, not feeling tired and gotten out of bed. And it's been six hours, eight hours have passed. Okay. That's how happen plenty of times and I don't know when it's going to happen but it does happen from time to time. I'll just close my eyes and it'll be the next day. But um, let's see. I also had... So time seems to pass really fast or slow. You know, in the dream it's it's, it's very paradoxical but um, as far as the colors, the colors can be can be anywhere in a spectrum from very very vivid to sort of like a black and white um, or very muted earth type of tones or very dark. And that's, it could be almost a very, I mean, anything you can imagine really Um, the whole spectrum. I've, I I think in terms of colors uh, smells, not really. Um, I don't really recall smelling too much in my dreams. That seems to be just like a, you know, I don't know. not part of the experience, unless it's something like, you know, in the dream or something, like if, you know, somebody pulls up a bunch of cow dung, you know, or something like that, or a horse. Right, with the symbol's um, so you know,
2: obvious, yeah.
0: It's, not, it's more of a visual, auditory um, experience, and you feel it through, uh, your, you know, your skin. It's so, physical to me, but it, at the same time, it's also very ethereal. So, you know, movement is like flying, you know, it's just like flying around, you know. So I had a dream the other night where I would just I was just flying around like the guy at the end of Jupiter ascending where or even at the beginning where he has basically like these roller skates that are just like, you know, enable him to fly. You know, these boost the hoverboard kind of skates. Mm -hmm. But that's how I was flying around the city the other night you know with uh, my friends and we're basically in the middle of the cosmos but it was an ocean at the same time and each different island had its own going on and or you know culture and its own but it was set up like a universe it was it's just hard to explain obviously and this is why I think the dream stays you know renders itself to art uh, better than it does explanation you know what I mean
2: uh, absolutely
0: so I mean there's a bit so I mean as far as time and colors and and quantity and I mean and, and qualities yeah it, uh, time goes by seems to go by like you know dream seems to be like you know maybe half an hour of actual time sometimes sometimes it can be so there is definitely a time thing going on with me anyway and as far as colors and, and, and senses and all that, I mean, it's, it's very much, um, sometimes it's just me. Sometimes it's other people, you know, and sometimes, you know, it's, it's not a good dream either. It's sometimes it's a nightmare. You know, one time, uh, I'll tell you about a dream recently I had, uh, I was in bed and I don't, I mean, I don't even know if I was dreaming. This seemed to be like a real experience, but, uh, I had my first very classic and I was just sitting there like what that is. It was a succubus experience or an incubus experience or whatever you call it. Mm -hmm. And I just remember this being, I remember it was really late and I was really tired, but I was awake. And then all of a sudden I felt myself like, like a veil, like a, like all of a sudden I was in an aquarium, you know, where like, I was underwater and everything things became really like whoa, like almost during the you know like very twilighty and yes. um and I felt like- okay, I'm just gonna go with this, whatever this is, you know because i've I'm a very disciplined spiritual person, and I've been through a lot of it, and I'm just like, all right, let's see what this is, and I felt that there was something at the end of the hall where I live, my bedroom is and there's a bathroom down the hall. Some stairs, but it's kind of long hallway. And I felt there was something at the end of there. I don't know why. And then as I'm laying there, I feel like, oh, boy, this is getting heavier and darker and darker and darker. And my door slams open. This thing floats very fast over me. And it's a tiny, tiny little red thing. That's like a Tasmanian devil like that it has. I know what people say when they talk about the smoke, man, now, because it looks like it's has smoke coming off of it, kind of something like that. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, it might have been a gin. And, but it was red and it was bubbly and it was very sharp. It was super sharp. It was almost like a cloud, but like or cousin it, you know, didn't have a <laughs> face or anything. Yeah. And it it's kind of drifted over to me and then I felt it touch like my part my throat like it actually like i felt a thing on my throat where it was like like whoa i can't talk right now and i let it because i was like whoa i got to experience what is this you know this is real this is going on right now for real no way this is what they're talking about and i thought the incubus experiences were just bunk i mean they weren't bunk because so many people have, have talked about it and written about it and it's depicted a lot
2: yeah, but until but, you have an experience, it does kind of land in a realm of it, it's not, you know, possible. It, yeah,
0: it's actually, it's a real experience. So I was just like, and I wanted I wanted it to last as long as it, it could. And, um, but it didn't just kind of the sun just kind of came in and, and it went away. But that was pretty frightening to know that you can be just like kind of assaulted. And then, you know, I talked to different people and they're like, well, you know, somebody could have do or something like that I'm like okay and then after that I just put up some spiritual uh, it hasn't really bothered me but uh, it, that was interesting too
2: that, that's quite interesting and also so I, I'm I'm curious about so with that you seemed quite aware when it was happening mm-hmm. that's what I'm gathering mm-hmm. correct yep. S- so do you have a good degree of lucidity in general in, in your uh, dream it depends state? I think
0: sometimes yes, sometimes no. Like very recently, yes. Like very recently, I mean, if you mean like of awareness that, okay, I'm in a dream right now.
2: Yeah, like the whole lucid yeah. dream experience where you know you're dreaming.
0: Yeah, that, that seems to, for me, part of the dream is not knowing the dream. But like and you know that it's not right and or it is right, but it's just like different people start to become aware that part of the dream goes away. And at least that's been my experience. I mean, I've been, so I've, I've come to a place now where it's, I'm pretending to forget during the dream. You know what I mean? Like, I know it's a dream. I know this is a dream going on right now, but I'm just going to go with it. You know, I'm just going to pretend not to know it's a dream because that way there I can be surprised because anytime where I have been aware of the dream and I can, actually do stuff and you know like i said before like when the this thing was showing me the world and answering all my questions and all that stuff it takes away a lot of i mean it it teaches a lot but it it also takes away the surprise sometimes for me and the excitement of the dream if that makes sense you know yeah
2: well it's so. engaging your cognitive mm-hmm. abilities and to kind of takes you away from that experiential that's what it sounds like from what i'm hearing at least
0: mm-hmm. yeah yeah i mean it, uh, it's not very intellectual exercise for me um it can be if i want it so if I, the point is is if i want it to be like what people call lucid dream where you're aware of being in the dream. Yeah. You can let that, you can do that, but that that only goes so far. You can only take that so far in my experience. Like so many times you can go to Jupiter and back, you know, whatever, Mm -hmm. Um, you know, in my opinion, um, because I like to be surprised, you know, I like to see where the dream actually takes me. So I, to forget, you know, I think it's a lot of, forgetting but you know there is a lot of good you know to you know being lucid dreaming and uh, a lucid dreamer so I'm have not you not gonna...
2: is have you had uh, actual out of body experiences
0: oh through yeah. dreaming yeah 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 plenty um, walk
2: us through walk us through that experience and even give us an example
0: i'll give you one very clear example because it, it kind of changed my life in a way I was 16 years old and you know I mean you can say that I was tapping into that for a long time because of you know maybe gifts or but probably because I was practicing Buddhist meditation at the time
2: mm-hmm.
0: meditation at the time since I was 12 you know and Tai Chi and all that so um, but this came out of nowhere It came and I was I remember it very clearly because I had, I was working at a restaurant when I was 16. I just got off of work. And I was in suspenders and a cummerbund and a bow tie. And a, you know, just that was the uniform. And, uh, and I remember just being tired. And I had the light on my bedroom. lay down in bed and looked up at, you know, the, the ceiling, which I had put like glow-in-the-dark stars when I was a kid. So it was still up there.
2: I always loved those.
0: <laughs> and, and so, and I think I was, I wasn't playing any music, but usually I play like the doors or something like that. Nice. And, uh, and so I was just staring at it and then all of a sudden, um, I just felt this is the beginning of it. I felt lighter, just like light. And so I'm like, okay. And then I felt myself being grazed up higher and higher and higher and higher. And it went through the, the ceiling. I remember going through the ceiling. Up and up and up through the atmosphere. I mean, it was pretty slow in a way, you know? So it was like, whoa. I'm, I'm getting to look. i like, whoa, whoa. I just went with it. I didn't freak out. Because once you freak mm-hmm. out, you kind of ruin it. Yeah. So yeah. I just went with it, you know? And I just I just went up. And then, bam. Next thing you know, I'm up in, like, a spaceship of some kind. Almost like Emperor, Emperor Palpatine's a uh, little window that he has where he gazes out at, you know, the battle going on or whatever. Yes. And, 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 and um, in the star Wars universe. So he has this window. So basically it was like, okay, so I'm on, I'm looking out this giant window, um, above the earth, you know, and I can see the sun off in the distance and I can see the moon and, 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 but mainly the earth, you know? and i'm just staring down at it through a paint a window pane a giant window pane and there's a voice behind me much taller than me and again it's that same voice from my dreams before where i'm but this time like i'm on the ship for like and i'm not dreaming like this is this can't be a dream this is more of an out-of-body experience um and then i can tell you about the possession too after but so I'm looking down at the earth and it's kind of the same thing as the dream where it's telling me things, but this was real. I mean, this was like, like I couldn't believe it, it was just astonishing. Um, and then I clearly remember being much faster being put back into my body. And the weird thing, this was my first time consciously knowing it. So I, I opened up my eyes, like my, my spirit went back into my body. And my eye, as soon as I happened, my eyes just opened. And again, no sleep. Ease, no tiredness at all fully awake and energetic and I, I remember looking over in the mirror and thinking i was an alien or something you know and then i got up and that because very confusing and so i opened up the door and you know my, i remember walking down the hall and it was morning time that maybe be the, the whole experience of getting lifted up and on the, this window pane looking down the earth and whatnot with this hooded figure telling me things behind me this tall hooded figure um, you know, that might've at tops been an hour, you know, but apparently 12, like 10 hours had gone by, wow. you know? So yeah. That's
2: significant. <laughs> yeah.
0: And so I did have that out of body experience. Um, and then, was this uh,
2: possession tied into that figure behind you?
0: Well, the f- possession, the figure behind, what do you mean?
2: Was the hooded figure that you were talking about?
0: Oh, oh I don't know. That's a good question. I never know who the, the hooded figure was but um never really i mean i i unless it was the same intelligence that and i think it was behind the psychedelic experiences that intelligence there, um very similar anyway um but i don't know um i'll tell you this is what happened on the possession experience i was a really hardcore meditator and uh you know as kids we have uh up until high school well past high school we have a lot of summers off so we have a lot of downtime i parents would be out working and I would just be in my bedroom meditating and a day would go and that would be my closest dream, achieving like a dream like state 24 7 um so I would just sit and meditate meditate and meditate and meditate because and meditate. And, it was amazing what I could feel and do through meditation I was really surprised about the energy ball the reality yes. of that Mm -hmm. and so i i would and i felt that at 12 years old and all my friends were like oh my god what the heck like what are you talking about you know they didn't know what i was talking about but adults barely know um but that it's a real thing and i mean you know and so i'm playing with the chi energy ball and i got it to a point this was it was it got out of control i didn't know and by the way before i moved into this house um I had people calling me up and saying, these girls saying, oh, you're going to move into the haunted house. Oh, you're moving into the haunted house. And yeah, it was haunted. That's another story. But so I'm sitting there meditating. And I remember I was playing the Beatles Within Without You with the sitar oh. music. I was very attracted <laughs> to Indian music. I
2: love the sitar. from the anth-
0: <laughs> But it's just instrumental on the, yeah. uh, on the anthology because that had just come out in anthology too. And that was my first awakening to music, really, in the Beatles. So I'm sitting there meditating in the, in the, my living room. And, you know, the music's, you know, and I'm just, it's getting out of control. You know, the energy ball was just moving so fast and getting so big. And I just felt like light from my, my all through my hands. And it felt like my hand, each one of my fingers um, were like water hoses. And there was the water was this energy flowing through my hands. Oh, it was amazing. But um it got to a point where it's was quite obviously, you know, when you're doing the chi energy ball, you're moving your your hands. Irating and like almost as if you had um you know, a negative and a negative magnet, you know how they move each other?
2: Yes. Yes. um
0: it's like that that it's like that kind of repelling force that you feel it, it really is like the force so um I was feeling that and then all of a sudden there was something and I couldn't stop I noticed <laughs> my physical body kept on doing the the exercise that you know I was breathing <sighs> and doing the energy ball thing and I couldn't stop. So I was like whoa I can't
1: stop
0: wait a second I then couldn't do that and I felt in me there was a b- lot of light and it was an entity there was a big energetic signature in front of me and it was wow. definitely let's just put it like it was definitely like sexual energy coming at me and it was feeling me in that way and it kind of felt and I was like very disturbed by it so I and i was like ah break out of this brandon come on break out of this what's going on (laughs) i was a little scared (laughs) this was the first time and um and i was like ah and i did snap out of it i broke out of it and i looked around i was in a daze and i ran out of the house um and i ran into the woods you know i remember because it was raining and i waited till um my mother got home from work so i could go into the house i never told the soul yeah uh, So I felt like I was out of control and there might've been some sort of possession at that point. I might've opened myself up to whatever spirits had been on that land because it turns out that that land um, on that land, uh, a woman, an Indian woman and her daughter were killed um, on that land and buried. Yeah. So.
2: You know what, what came to me, which is kind of almost in contrast to The sense of awakening kundalini also kind of starts there in that yeah. sexual root chakra area, right. right? Which is also a point of entry, as well, for mm-hmm. other you know, for energy all- altogether. So, that's I mean, that's fascinating, interesting,
0: yeah. I mean, that and that, that was 13 years old at the most, you know. So, I, I Did you quite discovered
2: young. masturbation at that point,
0: <laughs> uh yeah I knew what it was yeah
2: okay well you know I had uh, to ask I'm just yeah, yeah. No, I was trying to I was, be yeah, honest yeah, yeah. and not well, not all crazy let's
0: just, well let's just put I had babysitters that would that taught me everything um, oh my were, yeah so they were like 16 and and I was whatever age I was and they taught me about stuff so
2: Baby, yeah. the babysitter chronicles
0: yeah i lived it man it was not it was uh you know i mean hey they were hot you know whatever
2: it's like a young that boy's dream <laughs> speaking of dreams hey, hey so yeah, right? so what in the end when you're when you're when you're standing here and talking about these things and what do you think What do you think it all is, especially coming from your background that has you've been extensively into meditation and and breathing and trained body movements and then had this prolific dream life. Right. What do you what do you think is going on?
0: Oh, I don't know, to be honest with you, but if I had to. uh, like give an explanation my best guess from my point of view is you know first you have to define what your terms are what a dream is what you know how it's different from a meditative samadhi state or whatever you know because i think they are different and i think maybe but there are like you say points of focus where they uh they coincide and you know definitely there's um, an intelligence behind there. I think it's um, because of the, it's, it seems to be a place not just of my imagination, it seems to be other. It's a mm-hmm. way of encountering the otherness. It's a way of encountering otherness that you don't deal with during your waking life as much, unless you see things from a perspective or, or in, meditation which you know let's be honest we all have to work and eat you know right so, absolutely we
2: do have to maintain know, a grounded state
0: you know and we, you know so but that's not to say we can't work for putting the dream into reality but um and that's i think the goal and pragmatically but what it is epistemologically i, I just I don't know. Um, but my best guess is that it because it's so filled with an alien type of landscape. Mm-hmm. And this is where I think a lot of people say, oh, I, I experienced aliens and did this and stuff. No. Like, I could easily have come back and said, oh, my God, I got abducted by an alien. Mm-hmm. You know, yes. but I just see it. No, no, no. I think it, it might be just unconscious, psychic things that you're not aware of that come, the stimuli, because we filter so much through every day, you know, the brain and the body is basically a filtering system because if we were to experience it all at once, everything at once, we'd go insane. And I think that is what is going on with autistic kids sometimes is that they are a little too sensitive to every, all the stimuli that is coming at them. And so they have to filter it and it's very difficult, you know, and it can be, it it can riddle people with anxiety, you know? Um, but once you realize that, um, this is the universe basically speaking through you and trying to show you that there is so much more to just this temporal existence. I think mm-hmm. that that's a, if, even if you want to explain on a materialistic level, um, that the neurons are firing in such a way and it's a, just a survival mechanism to have, you know, help you deal with death. And so you can pass on your genes better. But, you know, or you come at it from, whole metaphysical level where you say it's just, it's, it's something completely alien that's not part of you that's affecting you. Be a little of both, you know.
2: This That's a good segue into death. Where, where do you see that fitting into the general paradigm mm. of all of this that we're experiencing that includes yeah. our nightly or daily wherever you are, however you do it, encounters yeah. in the dream realm?
0: Um wait wait so how like
2: what is uh, yeah. what is what is death to you Brandon
0: Death to me is like a door opening. And it's just another beginning. Um to something that I mean I mean a lot of people in the west have this uh, idea and in in the east too I mean it, it's changing it's not everybody but we have this incredible fear of death right? Death is kind of like a rebirth in, in in a way, I think. And if if you look at a birth, what's a birth? Like if it's, it's it seems very terrible, right? There's blood, there's this stuff, and there's screaming. And if, if you are in a, on a street corner, you heard that in an alley, you think somebody would be getting murdered if you ever heard of somebody giving birth. So it's almost you know a death state. So I think of that as as I think of death as it's definitely real in the physical. Um, and in many ways, like people die around you, you're going to die. There's no getting around that. And I think you can tell a lot from people when they try to avoid it. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think it's an inevitable thing. Um, <clears throat> but I think that um, <clears throat> I think we, we tend to, uh, deal with death and, um, in ways that we don't like it's a final thing and i don't think it is i just don't think we don't know as human i think we're limited as human beings to know exactly what's after it obviously but we get little glimpses here and there and i think part of it of those glimpses come through us come come through dreams the, one of the main messages of dreams in my opinion is that death isn't the final thing there are things that go on far beyond just my f- finite Brandon Young, you know? Right. Um, so there there is no de- death death in, in that sense. At an absolute level, there is no death. But on an earthly realm, yeah, there is death and there is suffering and you have to deal with that. However, uh, and it's a it's kind of like a I don't know, it's a weird thing because you know, the more you you are to that concept or involved in your in your thinking and your worldview you are, the more uh, empathetic you are, the more it hurts. It's the more suffering hurts and the more, you know, death, when people die, you really take it hard. And, you know, um, but then from an absolute level, you know, you have, have to go back and that's just a finite thing that of consciousness that, you know, in, in was a route arose and was the universe experience itself. And, And then now it's going to flower on and grow in another way, you know? So I see death as just a a way of, of rebirth, of of generating something else. And I think that I do think there is a morphogenetic field like Rupert Sheldrake talks about, which is basically memory, basically how you explain memory and why genes unfold in the way they do the big whys. So we contribute. To that morphogenic field, but yet it also has its own principles and parameters, and so we we contribute to the morphogenic field, but it also kind of shapes us, and so but we can we can affect it. So um, with death, I think it just it, it feeds more into the next rebirth of who of whoever's going to come along or whatever's going to come along.
2: When you're in dreaming in having that experience whether it's lucid or out of body do you have a sense is there a sense of your ego of brandon and also in that same line of query here mm-hmm. do you ever come in contact with a sense of exploration as in as we think of death or ending is there a fear of that
0: um I've, i mean i have had years in the past and I think because I don't think ultimately it's resolvable completely as human beings. I think that's part of the human condition is that we we it's very good for me to say intellectually there is no death, but there really is death, you know. Um and it hurts. Uh so you lose your ego the more that becomes more of an illusion than anything. Uh but uh what what was the first part of that question? Again?
1: I, I I have a question actually. Yeah. um what do you th- do you think that if a person was never exposed to the concept of death what would they make of it you know because we're really programmed to fear death and it's always going to be a violent one at that you know mm-hmm. that's that's the kind of programming that we receive constantly um I'm just curious what other people think about uh, you know, someone not exposed to death as anything at all. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, it's because you think if someone in a tribe in the rainforest, they've go, they're have they going to have rituals. So right. it's going to be treated but, as whatever. I'm just curious.
0: Right. Well, I think if in my own look at myths and cultures from religions from all around the world, death is always a part of any of those. Um, it's actually probably one of the defining things that make us human beings is that uh, we are aware of death and uh, but you're right like it is like it is very much it does vary from culture to culture. Where I say like there are certain principles and parameters so there you know, to death. So death that there is death and that it is recognized um, perennial as in every culture. but when the when, and, and like when there is, a, like, for example, Tibetan Buddhism, uh, you don't actually die until like I think it's like two weeks later or something like that. The soul actually, you know, goes on, and so, and then you look at the Egyptians and they had a whole different concept about that. So, I just think, yeah, you're right, it depends on how you're programmed. That's why I said, like, I'm not talking about the East, the concept of death, and, and the Western. Those of constant, like the transhumanism agenda of, of avoiding death so that you can live forever and as a robot head in Futurama or something like that, you know, which is really the big project, you know, and Ray Kurzweil and trend the whole transhumanist agenda of living forever, you know, um, right. consciousness living forever. So, yeah, there, and that's definitely a Western idea so yeah in other cultures you're not going to get that you're going to get okay well death is just a new beginning and in fact that death okay now that soul is going to find itself reincarnated in this person and that person is going to become the Dalai Lama you know what I mean so like it really varies from culture to culture
1: you know and there's also if you look at like the Vikings who um revere it no
0: right Uh, yeah
1: or or the Klingons even
0: (laughs) yeah 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 well yeah exactly I mean even um some dwarves or the elves in, in tolkien or something like that um it's it's no better way to to go in a brave brave way for a good cause you know like die a hero's death you know but really um that's not it's a finality but it's not if you ever you know if you look at it it's not the finality of it. You know, but yeah, you're right. they revere it in different ways they they can celebrate, and I think that's the healthiest approach honestly is to to see it as a birth and to if we could approach death like we do birth we'd be we'd be so less hung up on anxieties and you know what I mean our culture would be so much more relaxed and and in the moment, and we'd wanna preserve it would change the whole world view, and that's why we constantly are bombarded with you're going to die soon get life insurance you know you're going to die soon
2: oh yeah this this is crazy with it's that obses- Well, there's a whole with death. Of that considers yeah. each each time you lay down to sleep the little death the small death
0: the, the peep, well i was taught that that was the orgasm actually was the petite no, no, <gasps> moa
2: m- yes petite well that's moor then that is a separate school but it's also that same thing where one lets go <laughs> one lets go of the the ego yeah. or the eye yeah. and and submits to another experience and so well, excellent um okay. so i guess yeah brandon we could just talk we're gonna will you hang around with us so we can do our little after show that yeah, you put together to. So at this point, let's ask the um, chat if they have questions for Brandon. And Brandon, thank you. This is, I could just keep going.
0: Yeah, we could talk forever. (laughs) Um, Uh, I'm open to any questions about anything out there too. So bring it it on.
2: Brandon says,
0: bring it on. Bring (laughs) it on. Want to talk about Corey? Good. Jimmy church.
2: Let's Let's try to keep (laughs) it. Let's try to keep it in context (laughs) though.
0: I've been dreaming of some, not the blue avians, but the red avians. So, um,
2: is that is that like a har har or a truth?
0: Uh, no, I've actually dreamt of a kind of red bird that was kind of like on the top of a totem. When oh, was int- int- oh this sounds. Oh, it's very. Visual. Uh, you know
2: that reminds woman. me of the 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 totems out here where I live in the Pacific Northwest. They are red.
0: Yeah death is also sort of like initiation. I, I see it as like maybe an initiation because if you I look totally
2: at see it that way. Like, yes.
0: Like the, a lot of initiatory systems and stuff like that, it starts with you dying and being raised from the dead, you know, and like letting go of and emptying your consciousness and being, having it filled up again with, you know what I mean? Empty mind, empty cup kind of thoughts. And then, so that's the death, but yeah, the, the petite, uh, more um i remember uh being taught that (laughs) because uh i was like in that state and so you had the little death i'm like oh yeah because you do in that state of orgasm you just kind of lose identity right and you are connected to something higher and uh the craziest one dream well we're getting questions i guess i'll just tell real quick um i went to san diego for a while and i had just met my fiance. And I came back, and she picked me up at the airport, brought me back home. We stopped halfway before even going there, and I had this grin on my face. I had thoughts about, oh, you know, I know I'm gonna, we're gonna have sex tonight, and I know something's <laughs> gonna happen. But I have a weird feeling. She looked over at me at that point and said tonight aren't you right She's, uh, <laughs> she and said was, what? Like, what did you say
2: <laughs> bang me up tonight bang yes me up tonight, aren't
0: you <laughs> That's hilarious. I was like, yeah so i was laughing i'm like how'd she know so then you know we went out and she bought me like a whole wardrobe and then we had dinner and we went to back to the hotel and um
2: this is after you chatted her up
0: <laughs> well this is after i've known her for a long <laughs> after time
2: after she chatted you up i know yes. i'm just cracking this, up on the
0: this terminology. was not mimi
1: rogers right
0: no, no, no. But she looked bad. like it, kind of like Lizzie. So, um, so we go to the hotel, and uh, and this is girl came from a, a scientific uh, upbringing. She had no religion. She totally atheist, um, and all that. Um, you know, we have sex, and it was amazing. And usually, I'm usually awake a little bit after, and I like to cuddle and, and talk or whatever. You know, just hold each other, whatever. That's
2: the you know? best part, really. That come down well, later.
0: Yeah, but this is what happened is that, you know, next thing I know, I'm, I'm waking up and like, like from a nightmare or from a dream. And I look over at her in the bed. At the same time, we both jolt up and look at each other. And we both say at the same time, I think you're pregnant. (laughs) I think you're, and she said, I think, I'm, I think you're pregnant. Oh, Oh, wow. And then she's like, okay. She's like, she got like some clothes on. She's like, let's go outside. We need to walk, go for a walk. And I'm like, what's up? And she's like. Did you just realize what happened in there? And she's like smoking a cigarette. She doesn't smoke at all. She does never smoke. And she was smoking. I'm like, what are you doing, smoking a cigarette? She's like, she's like, she had this real, really weird. Her eyebrows were just very expressive. She's, she was like, you know, you know, I don't believe in in God or anything like that, right? I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't, and yeah, I get you. Yeah, it's okay, and no reason. She's like, you know, the closest thing was when I was at the lake, and I was looking at the moon, and I felt the moon was really big, and I could see it. But this was – what happened in there was different. She was really, like, freaked out. I was like, all right, what happened? She's like, well, you know, after you did your thing, and and, and you just fell down. And then all of a sudden, I was paralyzed, and there was this big, brilliant white light over me. And I couldn't move, and I felt this energy – tingling in my lower stomach, all through my lower stomach, and it went all the way up from my lower stomach all the way up to my forehead down through my limbs and out through my limbs, and it all shot out at once all throughout me. Kundalini, and then at that point, cha-cha. and, dude, and then at that point, at that point, and I didn't know what Kundalini, you know, I knew what it was, but I didn't, it didn't have it in that term. So I, I, I and at that point, I, we both jolted up and said that same thing. You know that she was pregnant. Lo well, and behold, that was the conception of our child, right? Then in that night, so
2: that's and, and point- astounding. And she Brandon. could
0: never explain it. She could never explain it. She was just like, I can't explain it. She was just like, she's like, you know, I don't believe in God, right? You know, like I don't believe in any of that thing, but I can't explain this, you know. So I'm sorry to go on that tangent, but
2: no, I'm I'm very glad you brought that into this conversation. Is I find it, and it ties in well with everything we have been talking about that's that's quite magical and Mm -hmm. um and speaks to that further that deeper level of understanding and communication or communion with our deeper selves especially when conception is involved
0: Mm -hmm. yep and and I, i honestly at that point in time i i just didn't see it on that level but like i mean i did in a way but i was more like yeah, I mean, the, but she was freaked out by that. I mean, she was really freaked out by that. But yeah, you're exactly right. Now I've come to understand that, you know, it's actually a sacred, and that's why I just don't sleep with just anybody. You know, I mean, I have to really be in love to sleep with somebody or be with somebody. I have to be. Oh beloved. yeah,
2: you're, it's a cellular experience. It's it's, it's, it's so funny things. how unsacred it is these in this last hundred years, really.
0: And and how pushed it is to be profane, just commonplace. And now it's like, "Mm, so did you have? It was like a chore. It's like a chore that you have to do. Yeah, it's actually
2: gross. I mean, you know, who doesn't love sex? Sex is the most beautiful experience. But it's just—it's gotten so gross.
0: It's been corrupted and and used by I think sorcerers and dark magicians, so they can actually. Is actually the most sacred. Holy communion that there is, you know what I mean? Um, I do.
2: Yeah, it's a great rite, really.
1: And sex magic's like most powerful too. Yeah. We got questions stacking up here. Oh, okay. So, so, take it away, Jerry. All right. Greatest potential asks: When did you have your first out-of-body experience?
0: Uh, I had mine when I was out of body was that alien type of thing. Um, that would be 12, 13. Actually, that well, that was 16. So, so but before that, no out of body. Okay, so when I was a kid, this is another part I forgot, was if you look at the character of Boston Brand, uh, he's a Justice League dark character, and he's from Boston. His name is Brand. Boston Brand is the name, okay? And he, as a kid, a trouble. Grown up in a kind of violent household or whatever and he would dream that he was never neverland and peter pan I would dream the same thing i didn't find this out this combo character until like maybe half a year ago if that i was about maybe five six years old flying around my neighborhood at a body oh so, and i going to neverland every night and i would tell my friends at school i would say hey guys Tonight we're going to meet up in Neverland and you know we're going to get the clock back from Hook and we have to save Tinkerbell and, and all this stuff and then, okay, guys, all right, I'll meet you there. And then we'd collectively go there and we, I would see my friends. We'd talk about it the next day. And now that I look back on it, I'm like, wow, what was that? And not only that, they had a Peter Pan um, cartoon that was on. And every every, I swear to you, night would be on that tv adventure whatever adventure it was it peter pan it would be basically the same thing it was so strange it was a very strange part so i would say anyway um wait wait, wait, wait i got a question, question. now saying... you just
1: open up a can of worms were these your tag friends
0: tag friend what do you
1: mean uh, uh what did you call it gnt oh gt
0: gifted and talented yeah um,
1: they, everywhere yes. a lot of other places called some... talented and gifted tag
0: yeah so, um, some of them no some of them maybe like one actually they weren't it would be more of like the kids at the bus stop more than um the kids in the program okay. so because i really didn't get along with many of those because they were just they suffered from social skills they were just uh ordinary people in a way <laughs> you know what i mean they were they <sighs> were su- they were really super smart in like mathematics or but they couldn't like
1: you know ultra introverts
0: but yeah Yeah, and then just very nerdy and and just, and uh, I just, I didn't like them at all. So, no, I didn't really, I mean, a couple of them, I would, like I say, that one girl, Lauren, who was a twin and and who I, uh, who was part of that, but uh, that was it. So, yeah, it would be mostly the kids at the stop, like my, my, my lost boys, you know?
1: Okay all right so um ivan hello ivan how are you ivan asks hey. were your babysitters mol- were you molested by your babysitters no 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 and no, were I they older think that
0: they were they were older than me but they just taught me in the ways of um they were definitely older than me but they just taught me like the birds and the bees let's just say you know what i mean for me like i had nannies and or whatever you know and, and they taught me that stuff and not that it doesn't come naturally which i think it also comes naturally but it was also kind of like they, myself, they
1: introduced dude. you to it more. So. but in no
0: way do i think i was like molested or anything i mean no
1: okay i think that's all the questions <laughs> okay
2: i saw more back there jerry but they're they're way back they they were back. What do you think about the shadow government from Omar?
1: Uh, yeah, I saw that too. Shadow
0: government. Well, I don't. We'll, we'll, well, let's define what the shadow government is. But deep state. It is deep state. It's been called different things throughout the years, but basically, it's people who are running things behind the scenes. You know, they aren't in the public. And, you know, they're like the, bil- the billionaires that, you know, the Rothschilds, everybody knows. and But, you know, you don't, don't hear about. And uh,
1: you don't you, you cut out the You don't hear about national.
0: What? Certain other people, certain other figures that are, you know, you don't see their name. You don't read their names in the papers, for example. You know, um, you don't read about. If I were to ask you. Uh, who is the, you know, Ford's inheritor right now? Not too many people know, but um, who who the Ford family inheritors are, and the whole family, and everything like that. And um, so, do I see them as? No, I see I see part of them. These are rich people and powerful people that are mainly industrialists. But then you have, I think, what we're talking about, shadow government. The way I see it, the, the only Proof I have, and I have to go on proof and written. You know, can't just go on what I think uh, from the top of my head and my own fantasy and turn it. But I'm just going to say that it is branch of not just the U.S. government, but all the transnational, sort of the trilateral uh, governments, which is would be the United States, Japan, and uh, Europe, so G20. led by a Great Pretty much those countries, um, maybe more. There, so the people in the background, basically, who um, set the global agenda. I mean, the trilateral was a famous one that I mean has a very big paper trail and stuff like that. So and CFR you know, too,
1: plus Tavistock. I mean, they're all yep. part of one well, big all giant thing. thing. Exactly. And I they, think the question the trilateral. Was... Sorry, go ahead. Yeah.
0: Well, ahead. I just think the trilateral commission is a really good example of what will shadow government and something we Mm -hmm. can actually research. And there's a huge paper trail and there's there's books written about it. And you Mm -hmm. can really find out a lot from exploring, you know, the 13 volume um, set that they have on, you know, creating a globalized uh, one world, new world order, basically, you Mm -hmm. know, and then you have, and really, um, you know, you have Asia led by Japan, you have the United States of um,
1: under Europe
0: yeah. and Britain, you know. So it's, it's so I would say it's they're not they these people aren't uh, they're people first of all. They're not. I don't think they're aliens or anything like that. They're people just like you or I, but come from a lineage where they play ch- the world like chess, you know, and, um, and they're looking way ahead and way behind and. Mm-hmm they just they're playing at a larger scale which has you know very large scales but they're not just come and go so they're not really loyal to any one country I would say so they don't care if say the United States is divided and goes into a third world because they're living in their gated community palatial estate, you know where they can never be touched you know what I mean so right.
2: Do you think that there is technology that is using us or controlling people as they sleep through their dreams?
0: Uh, I'm, I'm pretty sure there is. Um, I, I'm pretty because I remember... Oh, we should save this for the in... after
1: show. Okay.
0: Um I, just remember, I remember being in a, um, a group who was studying with a psychologist named Stanislav Groff. And Stanislav Grof has looked a lot into this question of death and birth and and all that he's pretty famous for it and um, but he had a thing it was called i think hemisync or holosync at the at the time or something like Hemosynch,
2: that hemisync yes
0: okay so this was in but this was in the very beginning parts and it was just being passed around the academic circles and the psychologist circles of boston and western massachusetts and things like that so it was at very beginning stages and this is when 10 grand to go up and and, and actually get uh, some of these, okay, tapes. They were on tapes, you know, and then they got converted into CDs. Well, you could put this this music on and it would induce uh, astral states. It would induce um, what you would get naturally from. um, But you still have to be open and tuned into the frequency. So I do think there exists not just... Um, now, Hemi-Sync and those type of technologies are put into movies and advertisements and things like that as well.
1: There's so a, I think, yeah. There's a really good movie called... Um, well, I'm sorry. It's a really shitty movie, but it's interesting and good in that it, it showcases that technology. It's from 1981. It's called Looker, and mm-hmm. it's written and directed by Michael Crichton.
0: Yes, so. I like Michael Crichton. Michael Crichton... I
1: think went to harvard medical school and, he, he uh, did yeah. but uh he left his film film career to go do er um <clears throat> no it's just it's an interesting movie because there's a good part to it there's a bad part and then there's the misuse and it's really showcased well and come upon by a um, a plastic surgeon by accident sort of He notices some weird things and Checks it out and it's like, oh my god, <laughs> they've got a gun that can hypnotize people. So, anyway, yeah,
0: I totally forgot to to check that out. Uh, because the, yeah, what's it? It's Looper, is the name of it?
1: No, movie? it's called Look Looker.
0: Looker. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: Looper okay. was remember, uh, Bruce Willis' time travel.
0: Yeah, that was good. That's a good movie, too. And that's the guy that's going to be directing the new Star Wars movie or is directing, has directed. Bruce Willis, Orion oh, Johnson, I think, is his name. He, uh,
1: Oh, Abrams gave up the reins.
0: Oh, yeah, you didn't know that? Yeah, no, he's a different guy for each. Um, still there
1: when they sold, really sold
2: it to Disney. It's the franchise,
0: I don't think he had to. Wait, he Star Trek got it.
1: sold to Disney,
2: yeah. Oh, what? yeah, Star no, Wars. Star Wars.
1: Oh, oh okay. Star Wars, so yeah, I can't imagine Roddenberry giving that up.
2: No, <laughs> Roddenberry must have been a pretty penny.
1: Uh, Gene Junior, not Gene. Gene's dead. Anyway. All
2: right. Well, thank you, Brandon, for this excellent uh, conversation, and everyone in the chat. Yes,
1: and thanks, everybody. I'm sure the uh, after show is going to be really good. So I'll try and get that up as soon as possible. But it will be on the other channel. Don't forget, in next week, (laughs) right? Next week? Wait. No, it's in two weeks. In two weeks, we're going to be not on this channel. With Vita
2: Sinclair going to
1: be Simulator. we're going to be on the new channel which i will put in the description if it's not already there that's all i got have a good one and we'll see you thanks later. everybody see you next week bye